This episode isn't really about uh, suggesting one brand over another. Uh, it, it's more, uh, well, I've broken it up into six categories. So I'm, I'm going to let you know what not to do and why as far as how you feed your dog. Uh, some information about free feeding versus scheduled feeding. Uh, how to, what to take into consideration when you are selecting a food. I think you'll be surprised about some of the things that uh, um, are mentioned there. How f- often to feed a dog. Uh, often the, uh, the, you know, there are a lot of recommendations that really don't take into consideration uh, enough variables. So it'll straighten it out, uh, I think, a little more clearly for your individual dog. Um, how you should feed each meal. And uh, a little bit of information about this um, trend towards slow feeding bowls and um, uh, why that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I guess it's not the end of the world if you do it, but I don't think it makes a lot of sense. But uh, so anyway, enjoy. Let's start with what not to do uh, because it's the most common advice that uh, puppy owners get from amateur dog trainers. And uh, I, I I, I think what they're strategy is is to convince you that this is somehow going to avoid resource guarding in the future. Um, They'll tell you to hand feed your puppy or play with your puppy's food while they're eating it. Um, Sometimes they'll tell you to take it away mid-meal and give it back and take away and give it back. And uh, some of them want you to teach the dog to wait for permission uh, to eat. Well, I can tell you with confidence that in the 30 plus years I've been training dogs full-time almost every person every case of resource guarding that I've ever encountered uh, they have a history where they did that Um, they included this kind of amateur nonsense that gets people thinking oh okay well this will head that off and it's it's a it's just kind of a typical uh, aspect of the amateur dog training world it's just full of behavioral pseudoscience and logical fallacies and this one's classic example it's sort of it's on essence the same sort of advice if I told you look if you wear a baseball cap with the peak always pointed south when you feed your dog it'll keep your dog from becoming a resource guarder you have the same amount of success Uh, there's no correlation Uh, for the most part making a dog wait for its dinner harmless enough and it does kind of allow an amateur dog trainer to convince you that they're showing you how to train a dog but that's not training that's teaching a trick um, real trainers they don't confuse tricks with life skills where uh, you know there's not that uh, you can if you got enough $50 bills you can get me to say and do a lot of things uh, so it, it doesn't necessarily mean we've got a, a, a proper relationship as far as teacher student Anyway, this video is not about resource guarding, but while we're on the topic, um, what you should know about resource guarding is that it occurs for reasons that are related to both nature and nurture. Um, And an awful lot of the nurture part, where the the learned resource guarding, it's driven by the nonsense of amateur dog trainers. Uh, The way they tell us to interact with our puppies when they they put their mouths on us and when we feed them, Uh, it's, it's just silliness. Uh, not only does it not accomplish the goal of preventing resource guarding, it, it, it diverts the attention of so many dog owners of what they actually should be doing to teach their dog life skills and develop resource guarding and have a good, healthy relationship with them. Uh, you know, For what it's worth, repeatedly playing or taking food away from some puppies, it depends on how they're genetically wired and what their early litter experience has been, where their blood sugar level happens to be at. Because in some cases, it's just as likely to emphasize food aggression, trigger it. 
So keep in mind, puppies, they're growing rapidly. On average, they're already pretty agitated by the time it's feeding time. I had three siblings, and you may have lost a finger or two if you tried some of that nonsense around feeding time in our household. So, But if you do have a puppy that's resource guarding and you want to see a video specifically on that topic, send me a video showing me what your puppy's doing and what you're trying to do. And uh, when I have time, I'll put something together. But uh, this video is about how you should feed a puppy and why you should feed in this manner and sort of some of the decisions you make as far as, you know, what food you take and uh, what food you pick, etc. Free feeding versus scheduled feeding, 100%, no question. My opinion, go the scheduled feeding, uh, particularly if you've got a puppy. But I think there's a lot of reasons for doing it uh, that uh, that make sense. Um, one with puppies, uh, if the food's going to go in the puppy, the food's got to come out the puppy. And if it goes in on a schedule, it's got to it's, it, it's more likely to come out on a schedule. Things that'll interfere that is if you're just cramming treats into the puppy all day. But the uh, the, the idea is is that in nature there's something called a gastrocolic reflex, which basically yeah, I think humans have kind of forgotten. It's, it's all mammals have it, but we eat all the time. Uh, but if we ate on a schedule, uh, like a reasonable schedule. Um, morning, noon, night, uh, like we used to, um, usually within 20 minutes. If you need to have a bowel movement, you're going to have a bowel movement. And so that's when you kind of get the signal. And so with puppies, if you're feeding them on a schedule, you can kind of get them on uh, a routine a little bit quicker. Um, you're, not guess, not, you're not guessing. The uh, idea for me is I, I want puppies to go out on a schedule so that by the time there's 16 weeks, the, the program that I provide my clients and show them how to do it, it's really simple, is... I want the puppy at 16 weeks to be going three times a day um, within a half an hour of me waking up, half an hour of me coming home from appointments and a half an hour uh, before I go to bed. And I want the pup to learn to go in one spot and one spot only because I don't want landmines all over my yard. So if I have, uh, if I can use the way we feed, that makes a, a, a lot of sense. Whereas if you're just um, just leaving it out there for convenience and the dog's not an overeater, uh, it is uh, maybe a little more convenient for you, but it can cause problems when it comes to house training or it just makes it unnecessarily difficult. So uh, that'd be the one, first reason. The other reason is dogs salivate when they're hungry. They salivate a lot less if they're just free feeding and salivation serves a purpose in nature. And so uh, think of it uh, to a certain extent of, as nature's toothbrush and part of the digestive Assist, uh, process for a, for a young dog and an older dog. Um, it, it lubricates that dry food that we give them, uh, uh, getting it down. So I, I would think that uh, that would be a bit of an argument. Um, the other is I like to uh, eventually stop just giving my dog its dinner and saying, there you go, eat it. And I like uh, to, I like, I always teach my clients to do this. Um, and it is unbelievable the impact it has on a dog's uh, day to day. Um, is they have to learn to find their dinner. So they're hunting animals and they, you know, they basically all get laid off the day they get hired. So I start puppies right off with this or an older dog, doesn't matter. It works all the way around. The, uh, the idea is, is that they're designed to hunt for their dinner and I just teach them how to do that and I want them to use their nose. So the idea is they're gonna um, uh, learn to search a room high and low or multiple rooms high and low. And you won't believe the impact it has on your dog. And it's going to take your dog 10 minutes to sometimes 20 minutes to do a, a house search to find their dinner. And you're doing, they're doing that while you're getting ready for work. That gives your, like you'll be going out the door 
to work and your, your dog will be going, oh, before you go, I got to tell you this. You're not going to believe my morning. I had a fantastic morning. I found three rabbits this morning. One was on the ceiling fan. It was moving too. Still found it. I should be a police dog. Dogs need to work and they need to use their nose. And that's one of the things I don't think we give them enough opportunity to do. So uh, I can do a, a video on, on how to teach that nose work. Uh, exercise. I call it nosy dogs. Uh, it's pretty simple to teach. You just need to be patient and set the puppy up to, to succeed, just like their mothers do for hunting skills. And uh, it'll be the, your, your dog will behave like it's their birthday every day, twice a day for the rest of their lives. What you feed your puppy is usually in the workflow for most new puppy owners. Um, but there is a lot of misinformation or sometimes not the full picture information out there. So here's a bit of a caveat here. Um, you know, a lot of people talk to their vets or they talk to a vet tech at the vet clinic about uh, nutrition. Um, that's one of the last places that I would go. Um, you know, I, I taught vets for about 10 years on electives uh, for behavior. And uh, uh, it's, as far as I understand now, it's still no different than it was then. They get three hours exposure to nutrition. It's not for dogs, it's for animals. And uh, it uh, certainly the university that um, I'm thinking of, uh, their program is uh, steered by pet food companies. Um, and that's, uh, I, I think they're actually looking at that now as maybe that's not the best idea. But I could always tell when a, a vet graduated on the basis of what food they recommended because that was the company that kind of had the in with the university at that point. Typically, they were supplying a prescription diet, which was, I guess, how they got in the door. But for general nutrition and prescription, it's not, not always the same thing. And um, if a vet's recommending a prescription diet, hey, Listen to your vet. But when it comes to general nutrition, ask them, you know, what kind of training do you have in that and what's your recommendation based on? Um, they don't usually don't usually have very good answers for that. Um, so uh, dog trainers, they got opinions too. Um, and uh, dog food companies, breeders. Breeders will give you a lot of, uh, you got to keep in mind breeders, uh, the vast majority of them, uh, surprise, surprise, um, know the difference between a male and a female dog and that's pretty much it but they will often recommend a food based on um, their own experience and that experience is sometimes guided by the fact that a pet food manufacturer gives them a great deal as a breeder breeder a breeder package because they know that if they subsidize the breeders feeding that uh, and the breeder promises to recommend that food to all their puppy owners so I've even seen the, some of the breeders contractually obligate the person that takes the puppy to feed it. Uh, one of the companies that I've seen that, that where they do that is it's a, one of those uh, pyramid companies where um, basically you will order your food online and have it delivered to your door. Wonderfully convenient. And actually the food I looked at doesn't seem that bad. But every single time you order a, a bag of food, your breeder gets a cut. They very rarely tell you that, and it's an amazing amount of breeders I've seen that are part of that program that breed a lot of dogs. And you kind of wonder, are you in the pet food sales business or the dog breeding ethical business? So uh, caveat, uh, caveat emptor. So uh, I, another thing that I've often seen is a lot of dogs on gastric diets and on the basis of them getting the runs. And so, particularly puppies, so you go in because you're a new puppy owner and you're, you're worried, 
because your puppy's got a diarrhea and you're trying to get it house trained and everything. And so uh, the, the vet uh, prescribes a prescription diet that is for gastric, uh, gastric intestinal issues. Um, and maybe your dog has. But in my experiences uh, ex with puppies and uh, little kids um, and even adults, change their diet too quickly, they'll get the runs. Uh, put something new into their diet, oh, they could get the runs. There's so many reasons a young dog would get the runs. And I've just seen so many people saddled with unbelievable food bills every month because their dog needs a special diet. So, <laughs> um, again, if, if that vet can point to me and say, or point and say, this is why your dog needs a gastric, as opposed to, you know what, let's just throw some rice against the wall and, uh, and this will start, you know, this will firm up the stool and leave you thinking, my God, if I change it, I'm going to have the runs again with the dog uh, and, never, and fearing to do that. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the most critical thinking on either side of the, uh, the, the, the whether it's the client or the, or the veterinarian. So I would push a little bit if you're uh, on one of those diets, your pup gets the runs or whatever. Um, so bottom line is you're talking to a vet, a vet tech, a dog trainer, a breeder, um, you're very rarely going to run into anybody who's got any education in that field. Uh, it's very difficult to find balanced information when it comes to canine nutrition. Um, I, I don't really have a problem with, uh, um, I guess, dog trainers or your neighbor saying, uh, or a pet uh, food retailer saying, hey, feed this. And, uh, but I, I do have a bit of a problem with the ethics when you're a professional like a veterinarian where you're making recommendations when you're a doctor and you don't add, uh, keep in mind, I have no training in this. Uh, so take, take my uh, advice with a grain of salt. So let's keep in mind that I do not have a background. I've taken courses uh, on, uh, on nutrition and uh, maybe I do know a little bit more about it than the average bear, but uh, not enough to uh, advise anybody with confidence, particularly if they're having difficulties with the dog. And I do refer to people that I believe have that expertise and they're generally pretty good about steering people right in an informed manner. Um, what I would suggest is uh, do your own research. What I'm going to do now is I'm just going to share with you some of the uh, uh, basic bare minimums that I'm looking for when I in a dog food. I make these recommendations to my clients and it's not telling you to buy this food or that food. It's just sort of how to initially uh, separate the wheat from the chaff. So um, one of the things that I, <laughs> I want to do is find a company that's been in business for 10 years, minimum. Um, the, pet food is a consumable. And boy, oh boy, if you can get somebody on your food, uh, you've got an income stream. And so uh, it's a very competitive, multi-billion dollar industry. So um, I, I, I kind of want to have somebody who's been around and, you know, worked out the kinks. Um, I'm not opposed to small business, but when it comes to my dog's food, I'm not looking for a rinky-dink cottage industry type thing. It might be the most fantastic food on the planet, but I this was some of the points that I'll make shortly here. Um, I, I, they generally, to me, it's not something I want to be experimenting on my dog. Um, I don't want a food that's made by a company that is ginormous. Uh, you like. You'd be surprised, like the, the uh, Mars, Nestle's, and Smuckers own 80% of the uh, the dog food market. And uh, I, I don't really want um, the manufacturer of my dog's 
uh, nutritional needs to be making diapers and jam and that sort of stuff and chocolate bars. I want them to be laser focused on one thing. So I typically will look for more like a company that is family owned. Um, I want the manufacturer to be the manufacturer. Um, you would be surprised again. Um, lots of times these foods are a, a formula or a recipe is given to a company that does nothing but make uh, animal feed. Sometimes it's dog specific, but sometimes it's not. There was an incident about 25 years ago in my region where some dogs uh, died and the, the formula was, good, it was, it was a good dog food, um, but uh, they shopped it out to a, uh, um, a manufacturer and the food that was in the system um, prior to the, their recipe going through was for chickens. And there is an additive in chicken food that will poison and kill a dog. And that's, in fact, what it did. So I am sure, because that was 25 years ago, they got better protocols in play. But still, I kind of want the people who are looking at the manufacturing process have the people who are doing the manufacturing work for them, uh, specifically answer to them. Um, those larger companies, they sell a lot of dog food, billions of dollars. I don't really want somebody who's buying their ingredients on the commodities market. Uh, I want somebody that is uh, has a personal relationship with their suppliers. They, they could pick up the phone and call the farmer who's making uh, uh, the contribution to a, a specific ingredient. Uh, I think that, uh, and there are lots of them that, that, that can do that. Um, I want to be able to buy a food on a Sunday. Uh, some of the foods are so exclusive out there. These are more the cottage industry ones, where or or a vet specific. Oh, you can only buy this at the vets. Um, I, I'm just I'm not that uh, organized. So so if my dog's bag is empty there at the uh, uh, on a Sunday morning, and I go, oh my god, I kept meaning to do that, and I didn't do that. I'd rather he not go hungry. Although, quite frankly, a dog fasting uh, for 24 hours, not the end of the world. Probably as good for them as, as it is for us. Um, I want to be able to buy the food on both sides of the border. If you're a traveler, um, a few, as an example, a few years ago, uh, there was a, a problem with mad cow in North America. And the Canadian-U.S. border locked up any beef products. So if you uh, were headed across the border with your dog on vacation... Uh, they seized your dog food, open or sealed. Now, sometimes they'll take it if it's open. They, they don't want an open bag going uh, across the border. Um, so for whatever reasons, you know, the, the border fellas and, and gals can make whatever decisions they want at, at, at will. So you don't want to be uh, crossing the border without your food if you've got to go... Uh, um, and then feed your dog a new food that you get as close as you can to the formula. But if it's off a little bit and your dog's got a sensitive digestive system, then you got the runs for the next few days with the dog. So um, I this is one of the reasons I have that little rule. Um, I want a 1-800 number that's on that bag or on a website uh, where I can reach out. And uh, now they have like chats on some of the websites where I get to talk to a person. And I can ask questions and get those questions answered. So uh, that's, you know, bare minimum what I would be looking at when I'm looking to pick a dog food uh, for a, a new dog that I have. How often should you feed a puppy? This is actually kind of surprising how many times I will run into uh, somebody who just feeds their, dog, their puppy uh, twice a day. Um, 
that's that's not good for a variety of reasons. The uh, it'll just so much harder to deal with the dogs through the day because puppies are like children and spouses. If you have uh, if you want to have a decent shot of communicating something important, you got to make sure that they're fed uh, uh, in advance. Uh, so I would recommend feeding puppies uh, on a schedule. Uh, like if it's a toy breed, at minimum three times a day. Um, and then uh, uh, if it's a, like a medium to giant breed, we're going to go four to six times a day. And, you know, once the pup gets, uh, oh, let's say uh, four or five months old, then I'll, I'll drop a feeding. And then they get uh, six to nine months, I'll drop a feeding. And by the time they're about 12 months, most dogs have achieved, like majority of... Um, their size, they got still, some of the breeds are going to have a lot of filling out to do, but the, it's at a different growth rate. So um, you will notice that uh, behaviorally, uh, that how frequently you feed can impact. Um, you know, you often hear of uh, the amateur dog trainers talking about uh, the witching hour and uh, um, the zoomies. Sometimes that is triggered by, uh, it's triggered for a variety of reasons and ignore what they, the amateurs tell you. It's not normal. It's a warning sign you're missing something in your day. And it just, it's nothing complicated to it to address. And we could do a zoomies video at another time if we get any enough people asking about it. But um, again, if, if that puppy is uh, uh, really hungry, it's going to be hard to get them focused. And you know, they get quite spun. So uh, that might be uh, something to, to consider if you're having a zoomies issue. But uh, more commonly or, or more a, a graver concern would be if that puppy is got any spunk in them at all and they're really hungry that's where you can start to inadvertently teach them to be resource guarders around their food they're just so hungry they don't want anybody near it they don't eat don't, don't i gotta get this so um bunch of fractors will will uh, uh will will impact this growth rates they vary time to time you know some puppies will be you know just zoom and then oh they settle down and then they zoom again um so you don't overthink it uh, i mean your dog's not going to starve to death but uh sometimes it made a little a little more and sometimes a little less so long as a puppy is drinking water regularly and growing properly um i'm not overly worried about it but i do look at it from a behavior perspective in in the sense that uh, uh you know maybe i need to feed uh, add another feeding into the day if the the puppy's having a hard time focus um activity levels uh, some pups are more active than others so whatever it says on the bag is not necessarily going to apply to your dog but um your dog's activity level may vary from day to day so and that can impact how hungry they are uh, weather, you know, uh, hot, humid weather. You don't often get the same level of activity out of a dog as you, you might when it's a little cooler. Um, so that might impact their nutritional needs. Again, don't overthink it, but uh, I, I would definitely feed um, a minimum of three times a day for a smaller breed. And the larger breeds, a uh, minimum of four, even six for a giant breed, and then wean them down as they f get physically better or basically bigger. So how would we feed our dog? Like what would be the best way to um, reduce risk um, that we send a confusing message? Uh, so here's one way to do it. Um, divide the dog's uh, dinner or breakfast or lunch, whatever meal, into um, uh, fractions. So it, let's say you divided it into three. I, I like always try and do a minimum of three when I'm gonna do a repetition. Cause I think that's uh, where we can start to convey a pattern to a dog. 
Um, so you divide it into three and you took your puppy on a leash and you said, here, get over here and put them on a mat where they can see what you're doing, but they're not close enough to get to you before you could interrupt them and, uh, or have somebody else hang on the leash uh, or put the pup in the crate or whatever. But uh, let the puppy see you um, take one third of their dinner and put it in there and say, uh, uh, step back and then give your pup a uh, like a trigger word and or a gesture or lead the puppy over and uh, like you go okay go find and then the puppy goes finds it it finds food it's not exactly hidden but it's a uh, something that might come in handy with one of the other exercises I like to teach clients is go find their dinner so um, when the puppy's going to eat it and go holy crap that's a little light uh, and then you just pick up the leash say oh is it okay come on get back on your mat stay there good dog and you know, put the next third in. Um, right in front of them, and uh, then do it again. So this way your pup sees you approaching a bowl and adding to it. And as time goes by, you can alter the extra. Like you could, you, you want to start oh, touching the puppy from way, uh, like when they're far away from the food so that they don't uh, overly trigger. And in time, you can put that mat less distance and less distance and less distance until they just get used to uh, you uh, you know, you're, you're, they're finished and you just jovially go, come on, let's go. Let's go get on your mat. Good dog. See what happens when you go to your mat. Okay. And then, okay, go find your dinner. And then they, they go eat it. And if that whole process is one where um, we're reducing the chances that they get, get tense because you're too close to it, they're too hungry, um, you, you're going to uh, at, at least not accidentally trigger the resource guarding and in time, at least with some dogs, get them to go, you know what? I kind of like it when you go near my food dish. Every time you go, you add something to it. So it might desensitize some dogs. It's not going to stop a resource guarder from being a resource guarder. Uh, I just don't want to cause it unnecessarily. Resource guarders, there are approaches that we can take that will address the behavior, but we have to actually understand the behavior. And I don't think, as a rule, anything I've seen on the internet really understands the evolutionary biology and psychology behind that. And uh, when you do, you got a better chance of having a good long-term solution. One of the most puzzling, at least sort of puzzling things that have been introduced into the dog world uh, recently outside of the crazy, uh, every dog's got to wear a harness now, um, is the uh, slow feeding bowls. Whatever for, uh, do the people who make these recommendations not watch what happens when puppies are nursing, when they are, they're switched over to other food? Uh, they eat quickly. Uh, they're supposed to. They're, they're, they're competing with, with their, their litter mates. Um, their bodies are designed to deal with it. But just like our babies, early stages, that digestive system's a little shaky, and then sometimes they'll throw it up. And I just tell my clients, look, that's a puppy's hobby. Throw it up, eat it again. Um, but it freaks people out, and they worry. And so uh, when you've got something you can find a companion dog being worried about, particularly a puppy owner, um, uh, there'll be somebody out there looking to uh, commercialize that. And these slow bowls, I, don't, I, I, I just don't get it. If somebody is to tell you that there are health reasons to have them slow down, have them show you the research, and let's see how many dogs that research is based on and whether the problem that uh, that they uh, they're, they're saying oh here is why is based on some known physiological uh, problem in a in a due to bad breeding or some genetic 
oddity as opposed to um, what we're actually seeing every dog you feed typically uh, typically when they're they're young um, they eat quickly and so I don't really see the reason to interfere with nature's template um, and besides I actually do the opposite with my clients if they've got a dog who's eh, indifferent about eating I um, tell them put the food down give the dog three minutes and take it away and do that every meal and no treats in between just get the dog to understand it's dinner trigger that gastrocolic reflex get that dog goodness gracious you'll switch a dog over from being yeah okay I'll eat I'll, to a dog who's going it's breakfast it's breakfast it's breakfast well boy if you could pump me up twice a day in, uh, in uh, for uh, to be excited about something uh, that's a gift so I would rather give that to the dog and then I just I take it to the second level with my clients once my dog's going is a breakfast is a breakfast it becomes where's breakfast where's breakfast I want the puppy to uh, and dogs to uh, do a house search uh, for their dinners and their breakfasts because um, it gives them something to do. 10 minutes of searching is exhausting and it is just like it's their birthday every day for the rest of their lives when you do it. So that's the, uh, um, the, the long and the short here on how to feed a puppy. You'll find hundreds of free articles along with the store for my training ebooks and the dog training collar and leash that I often recommend for those dogs that have you coming back from every walk with one arm longer than the other at askthedogguide.com. I'll include links in the podcast notes as well. If you have a question for Ask the Dog Guy, that's me, John Wade, you can send your question and ideally some accompanying example video to john at askthedogguy.com. That's john at askthedogguy.com. I'll also include some links in the notes as well. If you found this or any of my other Ask the Dog Guy free resources of benefit, or if you'd just like to be a supporter of science and common sense in companion dog training, you can buy me the occasional coffee or a cognac or maybe two via the buy me a coffee link provided in the notes.